You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks, we are back and we are here to talk about the best we ever ate. That's right, we have never done on Earth Station One in almost the 10 years we've been doing this podcast about some of our favorite foods. And Mike Gordon actually came up with this idea. I think, you, Mike, you said it was based off of a food show you saw or something? Yeah, I think uh, Food Network used to have a show uh, with some a similar premise. So, so yeah, we steal from the best. Oh well, you know it's only the best. And you know, if it was Guy Fieri's, you know, if we were doing Earth Station One's Diner Drive-ins and Dives or something no, no, like no. that, I said from the best, Mike. Uh, hey, I like Guy Fieri. <laughs> I think he's pretty awesome. <laughs> You know, actually, when uh, William was little, whenever we did road trips, we had have to go at least one place in the town we were at where Guy Fieri went. And okay. it was pretty awesome, actually. So how are you this week, sir? I am Peachy Keen. Howdy, everyone. And we we got a great show ahead of you and wanted to thank everyone, of course, for joining us. As always, you could reach out to us and let us know what your favorite to eat is. You could write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear from you. And, you know, we're going to be talking about all different types of foods. And we've got a few different guests joining us tonight. So let's jump in with both feet. And we have actually sitting in with us already our friend Jennifer Adams. And... Jennifer, thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you uh, for having me on once again. Always a pleasure. It's always great to have you. And this actually is a nice little segue because Jen is actually, not only is she a friend of the show, but she's also one of the donors and to our Patreon. And yep. <laughs> she she is, you know one of the $15 people and she gets to sit in on whatever show she wants on the network. But we tricked her a little bit with this because we're actually getting her into the geek seat folks. That's right. You act like this was a thing that was threatening to me. It's not. So (laughs) did you talk to your co-host when he did, he was screaming and crying like a baby. I talked to him a bit right after he did it. Okay, good. He probably was wiping the tears off, you know, so, <laughs> but it's great to have you on and, you know, thank you for help supporting the network. We do always appreciate it. Of course, fr- I, pr- I proudly display the ASO network sticker on the back of my car. Yay. That's right. That's one of the little badges and, you know, perks you get for joining the ESO network Patreon and for as little as a dollar a month folks. That's not too, too bad. You could help support the network too. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. It's actually pretty awesome. We got some great people up there, including Jennifer. And so Jennifer, it is time to do the geek seat with you. And Mike, before we do that, um, for those people who may not be familiar with you, uh, Jennifer, already, um, uh, I know, you know, you do, you're not uh, uh, shy about uh, your podcasting and, and other uh, uh, things that you do. So tell us a little bit about yourself first. Uh, yeah, for, for those who haven't heard me on an episode of uh, the show before. Um, yeah, my name is Jennifer. Uh, folks in Texas and kind of the Southwest know me as a little bit. Uh, I was a 
touring rockabilly musician for about a decade in a group a little bit in the customatic so i am now a i'm an occasional singer i host a rockabilly radio show based out of new braunfels texas called the hill country hayride that uh, airs on sunday nights uh i along with my partner the geek father run a podcast called the blurred nerds that is a weekly show um I always go blank at this, but I do a lot of other things. I do too much. I often say that. That's my running tagline. I do too much. I know that, uh, you know, when we've had you on the uh, Dragon Con report, uh, you know, you've been very uh, helpful and in, in with tips about uh, cosplay and costuming. Yes. And I also, um, uh, I am also the uh, admin for the uh, Facebook group uh, for Dragon Con uh, parties, events, meetups to keep people, uh, I keep a running calendar going during Dragon Con uh, with updates or uh, location changes for people who are looking, not just for parties, but uh, group meetups or like beer tastings, ribbon exchanges, uh, the concourse stage concert listings, that kind of stuff. How did you get so involved with Dragon Con? Uh, Well, my uh, best friend Amy, who lives in New Jersey, um, I actually met her when my band had been hired to play a wedding in Maryland, and she was the guest of somebody, and we bonded over Firefly, and ended up spending uh, the weekend together going down to D.C., and we stayed at this uh, hotel that the bar was called Firefly, so it was like this kismet type of thing, uh, and she was about to be going to her, her, I think her second Dragon Con at that time. And told me about it and then said, I'm going to harass you for the next year until you join me. So I joined her in 2010 and I've been going ever since and it, it changed my life. Um, and I kind of just like made a point of like, you know, every year I was going to add more to do and meet more people. And I had all these like little bucket list con items I, I wanted to check off for every year. Like one was to get better at my costuming. Uh, to get photographed by Brian Humphrey, who at that time was not an official uh, con photographer. He was just known as somebody that like really had, well, he's a great photographer. So if you could find him and he liked your look and, you know, photographed you as kind of a big deal. Now I'm friends with him and his wife. Um, And uh, I, I, oh yeah, I also, (laughs) I go to cons and with a team and we, um, you know, film the con, interview guests, that type of thing. So it was, it was also like a way to practice without my team filming some segments on Dragon Con and just getting a better understanding of the media side of things. And, uh, you know, another goal was to eventually meet you guys which I got to do. And now I get to be involved with y'all a lot uh, with con stuff. And I just, DragonCon is, is like a family to me. So, you know, I've, I've gotten to step in and be on some panels before I've gotten to step in and be uh, a judge for one of the costume contests there before. Uh, so I just, I like to feel like I have a hand in helping people enjoy their con there because it means so much to me yeah the uh the the page that you put together the the facebook group with the parties and everything i think is really helpful and uh i i know from doing the dragon con report uh and doing research on a lot of events and everything it's hard to find like a place that that kind of logs all that stuff so it it is and especially because there's been a 
there's been multiple pages and groups that have been there throughout the years that war for that exact thing, you know, parties and, and meetups and stuff. But a lot of them, I don't know if people move or if they stop going to con or if they just leave social media, but you know, a lot of the groups had stopped being updated in the past couple of years. And I, I already made this list for our group that comes from Texas. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I can just put a little bit more effort into it and then make this list available for everybody. And then if people that I don't know find out about things, they can also pub, you know, post it on the feed there. If somebody's throwing a new meetup or, you know, whatever, if a location changes, it's, it's a way for users to not only find a list, but help aggregate uh, new things and updates and uh, have a dedicated space to be able to go through, go to the whole weekend to find that type of information. It's not always easy to find on the app because um, there's not really a dedicated party button or a dedicated <laughs> meetup button. Um, right. and, a, and a lot and of that stuff isn't official, right? So, right. So, yeah. yeah. It's, or it's just not everybody's looking for like a dance party. So even if there was a dedicated party button, I don't know that it would necessarily show like all the nighttime events that every person would be looking for. Like, yeah, some people want to go dance and listen to music. Well, somebody, some people want to catch a concert. Some people want to catch a puppet show. Some people want to do karaoke. Uh, some people just want to be able to go play some board games. So I, I try to build the group to where there is something that everybody can find. And if I haven't got it listed, you know, people can either send me a message or they can post it right there on the group. And I do my best to as quickly get it in a listing for, for each day as possible. And I, and I do update while I'm at con. I try, I really only have time to do it about twice a day, <laughs> but I, I do update while I'm there. I always wonder how you sleep during the con. You're just nobody, so does, nobody sleeps, Mike. No, you know. Yeah, I, know. I, I get, I get an average of six hours. Occasionally, a, I'll take a, a nap in a row. Yeah, is that, in a row. I was going to say, is that at all at the con, or you know? Well, it's at, you know, in the past, I've always stayed at a, a most of the time the Westin. So, I, I force myself to go have like a two to three hour break during the day and just watch DC TV or something. And most, <laughs> that'll put you right that right out. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, it's, I like I get to catch the panels. I'm not going to go stand in line for I, I you know. So, smart lady, smart yeah. lady. Uh, and I've gotten to see some great panels that way. Uh, well, it's very cool. We appreciate uh, everything you do. And I wanted to make sure you got a lot of uh, that time, uh, or some time to put a lot of that over. And uh, also, you know, Mike, you can't just like wham him over the head cold with the geek seat. You got to warm him up a bit first. It's man. been a while. <laughs> it's it's, it's been a, a while since we've done this. Come on. I know. It's the least we could do, though, man. I mean, when you just smack right in the, into it, it's like. Ooh, I mean, it's tough enough, right? Hey, I got these golf clubs for Christmas. You know, I needed to do something with them. You know, it's not like I play mini golf or anything. Come on. So, uh, so yes, I do believe that now she is uh, ready. Are you sure? Jen, no, are you ready? Is anybody ever really sure? No. Oh, whoa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. All right, Jennifer, your first question in the geek seat. What was your favorite geek out moment? Um, so I'm going to be honest. I, I'm on a new, I've been on a new medication for a few months and it's affected my memory. So most of my memories are like from the past few years. 
unfortunately. But so from what I can remember, my favorite geek out moment was the first time I got to visit the puppetry museum in Georgia when I, can't, I get it confused. I can't remember if the labyrinth exhibit was first or the dark crystal exhibit was first. It's, it's whichever one was the first one. I think it was the labyrinth. Lab, the labyrinth was the first one. Labyrinth yeah, I, was, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I went there with my, um, my uh, man, Cameron, and my friends, Casey and Courtney. And, you know, he basically became the photographer, like taking pictures of us in front of everything. But I swear the three of us were ugly crying through the majority of the whole museum. Like I'm, I'm a huge Muppet fan, have been since I was a kid. I, and I love Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal. So not only getting to see a screen used uh, puppetry and costumes and props from Labyrinth, but also then getting to go to the other part of the museum and, and just see the love and care that went into the, you know, displaying the Jim Henson company. There was just so many happy childhood memories in there and things that I never even dreamed of. I would get to see in person. Um, so yeah, I, there's, there's many pictures from that visit of just, I have no makeup on because I've cried it all off because it was just so touching. They and, should put a warning, like, because in the uh, Henson uh, area, <laughs> when you turn around that corner and you see, and there's Big Bird, they really need to yeah. put a warning, like, right around that corner, because otherwise you just go right around the corner and then all of a sudden there you're face to face with Big Bird. And I, I mean, that's, that's for a lot of us, that's hugely emotional. Well, yeah. exactly. They should have a box of tissues right before you go around the corner. And I actually am surprised they don't have tissues at some of the more <laughs> uh, heart heartwarming displays. Uh, but like, yeah, it was like when um, when I saw Sir Didymus, I lost it. Like, oh, sure. <laughs> because I, Sir Didymus is my favorite character from Labyrinth. Just like Fizzgig is my favorite character from the Dark Crystal. So but both times seeing both of those, like turning a corner and just being faced with Sir Didymus, I just lost it. Like I turned around and looked at everybody. I was like, oh, yeah. just, and then let me start crying on us. You can take my picture with it. That is awesome. All right. Let's look at the other side of that coin, though. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Okay. So I'm not going to name the person because... I'm just not going to stoop that low, but I had a very unfortunate run-in with a cast member of um, one of these Star Trek series at a convention. Um, I was there with uh, my team for my YouTube channel filming and covering the convention, and this person basically jumped up in the face of my cameraman and accused him of something that didn't happen and then got security involved. And I had to be the one to jump in to like answer all these questions and explain what was really the situation. And I, uh, I was just shocked. I was shocked at the, the behavior and the accusatory manner instead of like just coming up and being like, I'm sorry, did this just happen? Cause if so, I prefer that it didn't and, you know, erase the footage or whatever. And, like there wouldn't have been a problem, but to just jump up and start cussing at somebody and accusing them. And it had my cameraman in tears because he's been a professional news cameraman for 20 years and prides himself on being a professional. And I've never had con security get involved with anything before. And I was just shocked that 
somebody would believe that we would behave this way, but, uh, um, but also just shocked that somebody would just get up in people's faces when they're a guest. Uh, and it was embarrassing because there was a crowd you know, like it's, it's on the con floor. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Man, I'm sorry you guys had to go through that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it was, it was eye opening. It was well, I'm sure. <laughs> sometimes, you know, it was one of those, Hey, don't, it's not always great to meet the people you look up to or admire. And ooh, ooh. So. Uh, what geeks you out the most? Um, well, there's your general things like uh, creativity, um, either having it sparked in myself or uh, seeing it inspire other people, seeing what other people make, build. Um, when I see other people being creative and doing amazing things, it makes me want to do more um, enthusiasm for whatever somebody's involved in. Uh, and of course, Dragon Con. Dragon Con is the, hi- the highlight of my year every year. So. Totally makes sense to me. I could totally see that. Yeah. What turns your geek off? Uh, I think I briefly touched on this on a previous show with y'all, but um, I really hate closed mindedness and argumentative people on the internet and rudeness, um, especially in, uh, I originally got this in the music community and I've since realized it's in every community. Uh, it, it seems especially so in the geek community that, uh, people have a really hard time when someone has a different opinion of them. And I think people have lost the ability to discuss their own opinions of something without resorting to just flat out rudeness um, or anger towards somebody who who doesn't agree with them instead of just being like, okay, well that's your opinion or, Oh, I never thought of that way. Maybe I'll go back and watch this thing and look at it with new, new open eyes or, just okay well i still have no interest in that but i respect your opinion instead now it's just like well i never want to speak to you again or you shouldn't be off this board or hey i'm gonna get everyone i know to send you hate mail and drive you off of social media and so uh that's a that's a big turnoff and as soon as i see it pop up in a conversation um like on facebook uh or reddit like i i just leave i leave the room i leave the group I leave whatever that thread is. I left Twitter two years ago because of it and haven't gone back um, because I just don't need that in my life. Because <laughs> I take it all personally. I, I have not learned how to not take seeing other people arguing and being mean personally. So for no. my own mental health, I just choose not to be around it. Totally understand that. And that's the best way you can be. Sometimes it's just nice to push it aside because sometimes it just seems like it's getting worse and worse. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, I've taken a step back from Facebook in the past six months. I've taken a step back from Instagram. Um, I, I check in like once a day, I, I post things to, you know, advertise shows or keep everybody updated in some of the groups that I'm in. I, I, I do like the bare minimum I need to do. And then I, I just don't scroll. I don't scroll and I don't get involved in conversations. And it's, it's done a world of good for how I feel in my daily life. Up here in your head, I'm sure. Yes. Nope, totally understand that. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Hands down. and i would do the flapping arms if i ever got to of course (laughs) folks if you could only see the camera right now (laughs) no it was pretty funny but yeah kermit i could totally see that what fictional character would you like to meet the least though 
Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I know there's a lot of hated characters out there. And there, there's a lot of characters that have made me angry watching them, but holy crap. Like the, the I forget the actor's name, but like I hated the character in the books. But the actor they picked to play him, I just if I just wasn't so invested in the show, I would have fast forwarded through every time he came on screen because I I just prayed for the character's death. You and like, a lot of other people. Yeah, it's the same as um oh I can't burn burn burn, oh, burn Gorman. Born, Born Gorman when he was on Torchwood. Like, I, oh, that yeah. character, I hated. He did so well at making that character dislikable that every time I see him pop up in a show now, <laughs> I am determined that this is like, oh, here's the character I'm going to hate now. Like in uh, the, pre, the the season that just ended of The Expanse, as soon as I saw his name in the credits, I'm like, well, here comes the ass of the show. Just be mm-hmm. ready to not like it. So... <laughs> No, completely agree. Off the air, I'll tell you some stories about him <laughs> when he was at Dragon Con. Oh, okay. That'd be cool. All right. And then, what is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Um, the one I use most often, and it rolls off the tongue all the time, and I always feel silly saying it, but it's a baseballs. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I I use, and I spell it with a Z at the end if I'm typing it out. Um, of course you do. Yeah. And that's what, as most people do, so it's okay. Yeah. So but, I just, it is a uh, all-encompassing descriptor for me when I'm excited about something. That is awesome. That is really awesome. What is your ideal geek occupation? Um. It was hard to narrow this down, but I really think that truly would make me the happiest if I got to choose something would be a uh, costume stylist designer, whether it was for people or for puppets or uh, um, stop animation characters, you know, whatever, just, just being able to, to uh, conceptualize and, and to see that through to completion, a completed build. I think would be really fulfilling. That is awesome. That is really awesome. What geek occupation would you not like to do though? PR. And I learned that from the music business, you know, when you're an independent band, you got to do your own PR. I hate it. I hate well, it. Now that you're a podcaster, it just continues. <laughs> Except that I, PR when you're, uh, a musician and you're having to reach out to so many people there's this stigma with female musicians uh well i think female with uh, stigma with females in many occupations um but dealing with you know like people who ran venues or you're trying to get them to book your band or trying to get them to play your music on the radio or trying to set up an interview for a city that you're going in they <laughs> often pulled the well can we talk to the manager of the band well i'm the manager well, one of the guys in the band doesn't do it. I was like, no, it's, it's me. Um, or because I'm the female, they think they can lowball, lowball me on price or think I'm just going to be a dips and have nothing to say, uh, or that I'm just the pretty face on stage. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a nightmare to me. It's, it's, um, if, if I can avoid letting somebody know 
that I am a woman when I'm trying to advertise something, like, unfortunately, that's what I do because this conversation is going to go a lot smoother. Um, I also, I, it is a nightmare to me to talk to strangers. Like, I hate calling people on the phone. I hate answering the phone if I don't recognize the numbers. So, um, just when you're in PR and have to talk to a lot of people, it's just anxiety. Oh, I'm sure. So. so with that out there, are you ready for your final question? The geek seat. Yes. All right. Jennifer, what is your ultimate geek fantasy? Okay. So you didn't specify if you meant for real life or a fantasy life. It's whatever, so, it's whatever you wish. This is your segment, hon. So I have an answer for both. Awesome. <laughs> of course you so, do. If it was a fantasy life, befriending a dragon would be awesome. <laughs> um, if it was uh, real life, my ultimate geek fantasy would be to get to work on um, a, a, a Henson Studios movie. Okay. Nothing in, wrong with in that. The, in the vein of like Dark Crystal type of thing or Labyrinth mixing the, the puppetry with live action, but set in a fantasy world. Okay. I see no problems with that. I think I think that's pretty awesome. That is really awesome. As you can see, there's like this running theme through all my answers of Henson puppets. <laughs> really? No, I didn't see that at all. Well, Jennifer, you might get these to come true because you've made it through the geek seat. Congratulations. <laughs> Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network. A value easily worth, well, whatever you're paying for the paper. <laughs> and we thank you. We do thank you very much. Well, thank you. It is awesome. And one more time, how can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me at the, the DragonCon Parties group, uh, DragonCon Parties Meetups and More. I think that's what it's called. Uh, or the Blurred Nerds podcast page on Facebook or through the Geek Vengers Facebook group. Excellent. And Jennifer's not going anywhere. She's tied to the geek seat. So she's going to be tied up for a while. Uh, She's got her appetite. I hope so, because we're about to talk about the best we ever ate. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. Unfortunately, this is kind of one of those weeks where the movies coming the next couple weekends are more exciting than stuff we have coming out this weekend, at least in terms of what I'm personally looking for. The rest of this month, we've got some movies that I'm really excited about, like A Quiet Place Part 2, Disney's live-action Mulan remake. Super pumped about those movies. And... As I referred to earlier, unfortunately, they are not going to be in theaters yet, but we do have some new stuff to potentially tide you over. One of the bigger ones, or possibly, is going to be a movie called Bloodshot, and it's based on a comic book. I haven't heard of this one before, so I'd be curious to hear from some of the fans of this comic book what they think of the movie. But it stars Vin Diesel as a soldier who dies in the line of duty and is resurrected as a superhero known as Bloodshot. Of course, this is one of those where you're thinking that maybe they're messing with science in a dangerous way and 
how does Vin Diesel's character feel kind of about being brought back to life as a superhero. So looks kind of interesting. I'll be curious to see what the reviews are. We also had the horror thriller The Hunt about humans being hunted for sport. And on DVD this week, we have Uncut Gems, which is an Adam Sandler movie, not a wacky comedy, which is what he's known for a lot of time, but a more serious drama. Heard a lot of good buzz about this one, in particular Adam Sandler's performance. It's always cool to see actors play against type and do something that people might think is a little outside of their acting comfort zone. So I'm definitely wanting to check this one out. And then we also have the Charlie's Angels reboot. And this is one that I was kind of interested in based on the trailers, but didn't necessarily intrigue me enough to get out to the theater to go see it. So this is one that if I see it pop up on Netflix, I'll probably give it a watch. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my movie and TV blogs over on the ESO Podcast website. I am still continuing with my Better Late Than Never Goes West series, where I take a look at different movies within the Western genre. And this week, I'm actually taking a little bit of a departure from the movies and watching a TV show called Godless on Netflix. And oh my goodness... What an amazing series. I just finished watching it today, and it was amazing. So I've covered the first part already on my blog, and then looking forward to doing another post wrapping up what I thought of the series as a whole. Hey, all. This is Drew Leiter from the Earth Station DCU Podcast, and I'm here to tell you that Cletus and I are back. Yes, we uh, got one of the shuttlecrafts working that got marooned on a planet called Mogo. No, not the Green Lantern planet, but that's a story for another time. We're here to tell you we're back. We're back to talk about DC News. We're here to talk about comics. And, of course, we're here to talk about DC television shows. We're very excited about talking Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover coming up. So make sure you tune in to listen to us. We're right here on the ESO Network. Have some more chicken. Have some more pie. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are here to talk all about some amazing food, and we are going to be talking about the best shit I've ever ate. And it's going to be a lot of fun to do. Each one of us is going to pretty much come up with some pretty amazing food. You know, I hope everyone ate because you're going to be starving by the end of this, and you guys are just going to be drooling everywhere. So it should be a lot of cool stuff to do. So take it away, Mr. Mike. Well, uh, definitely. Um, we, of course, uh, we've got uh, Jennifer still here, strapped to the the chair, so she's not going anywhere. Uh, but also, <laughs> but we also have joining us uh, our good friend Jenna. Jenna, it's been a while since you've been on the station. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm glad. And uh, so um, now, I will full disclosure. I I don't consider myself much of a foodie. So, um, so, um, some of these things are, some of my picks may be, um, a little pedestrian, maybe, I don't know. We'll, Dude, we're so not here to judge. As we go along, but, um, <laughs> no, no, I'm no, Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Um, because, uh, uh, I, this is, the station is a judge free zone, you know, so, so feel free to openly discuss whatever you like. Um, you know, and you know, people are judging us, you know, quietly. So uh, <laughs> internally, right. 
so so uh, we live we leave that to the listeners um so uh but let's get started right with uh the uh, the first item on the menu without further ado uh jenna why don't you go first what uh what dish have you brought that we need to uh either sample or have uh experienced somewhere sometime in our lives we need to talk about shawarma Shwarma, shwarma. Ah, yes. the the uh, the Avengers favorite, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that I was into shawarma before <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> just Who ever thought shawarma would be cool at some I point? I know, right? right? Um, I actually I didn't actually discover shawarma until probably about twenty ish years ago. It was before the movie came out. Um, a friend of mine, actually, Mike, you know him, my friend Nick Frazier, oh, took yeah. me to a restaurant called Shawarma King. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> I know it well. Like you've you've been to you've been to the Middle East and you've never had shawarma, and I had never had shawarma. Um, for people who don't know what shawarma is, I'll share with you the Wikipedia description because it does it better. It, it explains it better than I do. It's um, a dish in Middle Eastern cuisine consisting of meat cut into thin slices, stacked on a cone-like shape, and roasted slowly turning on a vertical rotisserie. Um, Today, shawarma can be chicken, lamb, turkey, beef, or veal. Thin slices are cut off. They're shaved off of this cone that's been cooking, and then it's served with rice, and um, it's got all of these wonderful, luscious spices, and um, it's street food in the Middle Eastern part of the world, especially in Egypt. And it's just a delicious thing. It's one of my go-tos. And the happiest news, the happiest restaurant news for me in the last year is they opened up a shawarma place a block from my house. <laughs> so, so what is the, the best, like, where's the best place that you've ever had it? What's the, what's the best time you've ever had shawarma? Well, honestly, I mean... I go back to Shawarma King whenever I can. Shawarma King is in the is in the University District in Seattle, and um, it's just it's it's uh, owned and run by an Egyptian family, and the food is Excellent. terrific there. Excellent, uh, Jen. Is uh, have you had experienced Shawarma before? And if so, it's uh, have you had a great experience with it somewhere? Um, have not had it. We don't, we don't really have a lot really? of access to it around here. And I haven't had it. I think there's a place in the Peachtree Food Court I don't, that has it. And I've, I haven't had it. Have you, have you heard of it uh, before the Avengers? I've, yeah, I've heard of it. Um, I've just heard of a ton of food I've never gotten to try before. So. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to, to be exotic or anything. No, no, I, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even say it's that exotic. I, I think it's, Food desert is the wrong word, uh, but there's just not places that have more than a. The places around me that serve it have a barely passing health inspection <laughs> score, so I am not. <laughs> I am not going to go there to have my first experience with it. Fair enough. Well, well are you? In I'm in. I'm in Texas. Someplace else. Oh, yeah. Are you in Texas? Okay. Yeah. So shawarma maybe not such a common <laughs> thing there. Well, it's because it's kind of interesting because I grew up with shawarma, you know, up in New Jersey and then in Maryland and such. But, you know, we also used, my parents used to just call to get me to eat it. They said, oh, it's just a different flavor gyro. So 
or my, as my parents used to call them, gyros. So, uh, yeah. And so, and so pretty, cause it's very similar, you know, cause a lot of times, um, shawarma is served with in pita bread roll, you know, a wrap or something very similar. And so it's, but it's, there's some amazing places you can get in Atlanta, here in Atlanta, there's a few majorly good shawarma places and, you know, and it's, it's really delicious. We have a Greek place, um, up the corner and they serve, you know, also they do shawarma also, but you know, they do it, you know, they have Slovakia, they have, you know, and you know, then they also have, of course, shawarma and it's amazing. I have uh, only had it once in my life. And that was when I was in London. Um, I, uh, and the, the, the memories are are hazy of it, to be honest with you. Um, not just because I'm getting older, but because I was, I, I think I was extremely drunk at the time. Um, and, uh, cause I do remember, uh, having a night out and then returning, uh, home from that night, but being very hungry and going into some, uh, sort of all night convenience store, something, you know, that, and they had, um, you know, they, they had the, the, uh, uh, what is it? The pyramid of meat, the reverse pyramid of meat on the stick, you know, roasting. Um, so, so, uh, I had, yeah, yeah. I, I had that, um, I believe it was beef. Um, and I believe it was served on some sort of like around some sort of pita wrap. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, and I didn't hate it. Um, I do remember <laughs> that. Uh, so that's a plus. Um, it's but, always a plus. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, and so, uh, but I never, like, I, this, that was a long time ago and that was in like 89. So, um, uh, but to be honest, I, I, you know, to Jen's point, I haven't really seen it much, uh, since I've been in the States. Uh, there's not a lot of, you know, I'd have to go out of my way for it. And I just, uh, have not done that myself. So, but, uh, I, I certainly not hating, uh, I did kind of get it when the, um, you know, the Avengers were munching on it. That was kind of, that was fun and it sort of really put that it really put shawarma over right as far as the geek yes. community goes so yes it did so uh now um does anybody know did they when when they ate shawarma was that a real place is that some place that you can actually go in new york oh dude there's so many shawarma places in new york i know been, but i mean is that was that a real they place? never showed what the place was and it, the actual scene was actually extra footage they did after they had recorded the whole movie, people who went to the preview of it, you know, of screening of it, that scene wasn't even in there. They um, actually recorded it after. That's why in the scene, you'll see like Captain America have like the, his shawarma right up to his face. Cause he had a full beard at that time. And in the okay, movie, so the internets, the internets know everything. Yeah, they do. They do. The, it, the it must internet... be true. If you're reading it from the internet. Well, on ScreenCrush.com, it says the shawarma place is a real location located at Elat Burger in Los Angeles, 9340 West Pico Boulevard, Los Angeles. So it's a real place. There you You go. You get shawarma there and burgers and fries. There you go. So that's awesome. So there's a place that you can go get shawarma. That's awesome. The only place Um, in Los Angeles, too. There's no other shawarma. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So excellent. Excellent. And the very geek themed. And thank you for that pick. Uh, Cause that kind of sort of ties in uh, Jennifer, what's your, uh, what's your style or dish that, uh, that uh, you uh, would wish us to partake in? I'm going to go with Asian fusion. Okay. Ooh. So uh, um, yeah, a little bit broader, not necessarily a dish. Um, Cause God, I think it would be really hard to pick out my favorite, but uh, for instance, um, there's a restaurant here in San Antonio called Hot Joy. And I think it's like every if four months to five months, they'll change their menu. Oh, but it's very much Asian fusion. So, so it, they'll focus on a region, say like uh, South Korea or India, um, Hong Kong, whatever. And they'll, they'll do a fusion of flavors and uh, dishes from there mixed with some American inspiration. So like right now they're focusing on uh, India and two of the dishes I've been obsessed with when we've been going there. uh, One of them is called their tater tot chaat paneer. Oh, yum. And it's, so it's basically all your ingredients from chaat paneer um, thrown on a bed of tater tots. And like, it, so this is also like the place we go. This is the one bar I can go to in town and get good tiki drinks. So I go there. Now you got my I get their, Yeah, I go there and I get their. Well, and also the decoration is a mixture of tiki and Asian inspired. It's, it's gorgeous. Uh, so they have a frozen zombie that's so strong. You're only allowed to have two. So I go oh. order my frozen zombie. And then we get the tater chot chot paneer. And it's just a perfect, I am drinking and I want late night food uh late night i'm there at like 7 30 that's the wrong term but but they're open they're serving food till like one in the morning i was gonna say Uh, we're getting old that might be late night to some people (laughs) (laughs) but it's just it's so good uh and this other dish they put and this is in the appetizer section another of the appetizers that totally changed my mind on brussels sprouts like yes i've eaten brussels sprouts they're not my favorite i'm not gonna reach for them but they're good for me, so I'm going to tr- try and cover them up with flavor uh, to get it in my diet. But they have an appetizer that is fried, pan-fried Brussels sprouts and a sweet chili peanut sauce. Ooh. And it is amazing. Like, you can taste the Brussels sprout, but with the, the caramelization of the, the sweet chili peanut sauce, it almost makes it like you're eating a dessert. Uh yeah, I've always thought so, that like, Brussels the, sprouts are really all about what you cook them in. So Yes, exactly. Like, and I've tried it with bacon. I've tried it, you know, with just some like olive oil and different sauce and seasonings. But now I think at home, I'm going to need to come up with a sweet chili peanut sauce of my own. Oh, and just that just sounds awesome. It's, it's so That just good. sounds amazing. Uh, but, I just... And in the past, like, you know, they've had um, like banh mi buns. Uh, they serve their own. They serve it like a Tex-Mex ramen type of dish. They serve spam fried rice. Uh, so they have, uh, you know, pan, uh, traditional Asian, Pan-Asian, and Polynesian uh, fusion all the time in their menu. And I've, I've just realized, like, when I'm craving something that's not just something standard I can go down the street and get, like, I always want to go there. That's what I always want to eat. I think it's one of the reasons, besides like Trader Vic's being such a great tiki bar, I think it's one of the reasons I like eating at Trader Vic's all the time when I go to Atlanta is because I can go get some Pan-Asian, Polynesian food. 
Excellent. Excellent. Uh, excellent choice. Um, uh, Mike, what about you? Have you, uh, where's your favorite, uh, Asian fusion, uh, restaurant uh, or, or if you've had it at home? Oh, well, Judy experiments with food all the time. Hence, you know, why I'm not skinny On and then, you know, no, it's usually what, what leftovers do we have in the cabinet? <laughs> and then we just go from there, but there's a great, um, Mexican Asian fusion restaurant here in Atlanta called Taqueria Tsunami. And it is amazing. They change their menu also quarterly, depending on the seasons. And basically, it's just, it's all farm to table. So it's all fresh. And, you know, you can get the usual, like you get Ananami, you could get roasted uh, Brussels sprouts with the chili sauce on top of it as an appetizer but um they have like all these different tacos that you know they they experiment they have everything from vegan um vegetarian pescatarian and you know carnivore you know they have all different types of tacos and they mix in between uh, mexican and asian dishes and you know trying all different things i've never had the same thing twice there and we've been there probably over a dozen times it's pretty amazing. And they're located throughout the Atlanta area. I think there's like six of them or so. It's pretty awesome. Gotcha. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Jenna, what about you? Well, I'm living in Seattle and we're sort of, I, I'm sort of drenched in, in the embarrassment of riches here because there's so much Asian culture here. So much Asian food. Um, probably one of the best Asian fusion restaurants here is a place called Wild Ginger. Um, it's very well known in the, in the Seattle area. Um, you can get, oh gosh, um, you can get Indian food, Thai, um, Mongolian noodles. There's, it's all Southeast Asian cuisine. And there's, you can't order anything there that isn't absolutely wonderful. Um, I tend to save it. I actually tend to save it as a special occasion place because it's so good. And the menu rotates just enough that you, that while there's a core, you never quite know what awesome thing you're going to find there next. Right. Um, the other place that I go to regularly, um, much more regularly than wild ginger. Cause like I said, I save that for, for a favorite is there's a chain of restaurants here called Thai fusion which is all um, Thai street food and that kind of thing. And um, that's my, that's my regular go-to, right? So you can get, um, you can get a crab Rangoon, but you can also get um, crab wontons. There's all sorts of satays. Um, And there's one literally right around the corner. I could, I could walk over, get some, get something to take out and just bring it home with me. And uh, you have to be careful with them because if you want it hot, they will give it to you hot. Um, and that's kind of my, that's my favorite thing. Absolutely. That sounds great. Uh, um, uh, as far as uh, I don't know, you know, when I first heard the term Asian fusion, I'm not really sure that I've uh, really experienced something uh, definitive. 
that's Asian fusion. But the thing that where I where my mind went to is uh, there's a place in Saugus, Massachusetts called uh, Kaun. And it is a amazing restaurant and tiki bar. Um, probably it's the best tiki bar uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, it's the best tiki place in I uh, probably New England that I've found. Um, and uh, they have. I don't see. I can't really say that they do the the fusion, but I just know that like if you want any sort of Asian cuisine, whether it's. Uh, Chinese, uh, Polynesian, uh, Szechuan, Thai, uh, sushi, even, um, they have everything. So, um, and, and they also do a lot of, um, they do a lot of authentic dishes, but they also do a lot of dishes that, um, are probably uh, a lot more Americanized. Um, you know, a lot of the, the Chinese restaurants probably that I grew up with was more Americanized Chinese food than, than was authentic. Um, so, uh, um, and, uh, for those people who do go to Kaun, the guilty pleasure of mine is a dish called, uh, flaming ambrosia. And it's actually no longer on the menu. Uh, but if you ask for it, uh, they may give some, depending on your server, they might give you a puzzled look. Uh, but, uh, um, they will, they will go in the back and they'll be like, okay, yeah, we can do that. Um, and, um, it's a uh, sort of a, um, a fried chicken finger kind of thing with cherries and pineapple and, uh, and they light it on fire. So hence the name, uh, but it's very sweet, but it's also, uh, one of my favorite dishes. So, um, yeah, I will, uh, I, and, and everything else there is amazing. I've, I've never, um, had anything bad there. So, um, and it's really, the decor is really amazing. Like for those people who are interested in good eating and just a fun experience. And uh, if you're interested in getting like, you know, the tea, your tiki drink on, Kaun is an amazing place. And it's in Saugus, Massachusetts. All right. So that's our first round. And uh, are, is everybody full or do we, are we ready for another round? Are we ready for another? Um, Only two of us have gone so far, Mike. Is that? That's, That's true, right. I was waiting for you guys to start talking. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, you and I haven't even gone yet. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We've just um, been talking that, so much food. That's true. We are talking about food, so much food. It feels like we have. All right, Mike, what's your, what's your pick? I'm going to do soup. Actually, soup, soup, because soup, soup is, is good food. That's what soup I hear. Is so is great because soup could be, you know, something that you can get, you know, at home, you could get it at a restaurant, and there's so many different types. You could get a chowder, you can get a gumbo, you can get, you know, a stew. I don't know if I'd really call a gumbo a soup. Oh, it depends <laughs> where you get it at, huh? Uh, coming from a Cajun family, I'm going to take an exception to that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I gumbo as, more as, is as, a stew than a soup. Yes, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But soup and as, stew as, off, often get confused for each other. Too. As a as a New Englander, I'm like chowder is is soup. Yeah. Is soup? You're chowder. calling that soup? Yes, I am. I'm putting it's my it's my category. I could put it whatever I want. So sure, oh, sure, sure. Okay, so what is the best soup you've ever had? Oh well, of course, Judy's matzo ball soup would be the best, right? You know, but truthfully, um, I would have to say, you know, it depends because, you know, growing up in Maryland, I used to be a huge fan of she crab soup, 
and it is one of the amazing uh, soups that are out there. It's like um, it's a it's not as thick as like a, a chowder, but it's it's a soup that you know has Maryland uh, blue shell crabs and it has you know potatoes and corn and it's just it's an amazing amazing soup. I grew up on that. And, you know, but then, you know, anytime you get a chance to have, you know, clam chowder, I'm going to probably, you know, go out on a limb here. And some people from New England might uh, complain about it, but my favorite clam chowder actually, and this is like, was always comfort food for me when I lived out in Seattle, has to be from Ivar's. And it's just Oh, Ivar's. Yes. (laughs) Ivar's is just, it's just, it was awesome, you know, and I was lucky enough to be able to introduce Judy to it when we came out to visit a couple of times. And, you know, it's, we've actually even looked at ways of getting it shipped out to the East coast, but they don't do that, which is pretty amazing. That's how, that's how much I like the soup. So, and, you know, always getting a good, you know, if you want to be a traditionalist, you also have a really good, anytime you go to a deli or something, and that we'll talk about deli later, but a good bowl of matzo ball soup is also an amazing way to go. So, it's pretty awesome. All right. All right. So, soup it is. Maybe we should have started with soup. Isn't that usually the traditional thing you start with soup? Some of these uh, soups are full meals, my friend. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, Jenna, what about you? What's your, what's your favorite soup? What's uh, the favorite soup you've ever had? I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to soup. And my favorite soup is tomato soup or tomato bisque. Um, it's one of those foods that's kind of a comfort food for me. There is a restaurant in downtown Seattle, about two blocks from where I live, called Tribeca Grill. And they serve a um, crab melt sandwich, like a tuna melt, but with crab, with a cup of tomato soup. Oh, yum. And it is the most delicious thing ever. Um, It's a wonderful, thick um, bisque that you just... You get a, a perfect cup of soup. It's a, they, they serve it in, a, in sort of a flattish bowl, but it's just about a cup, maybe a cup and a half of soup. And it's thick and just tangy and lovely. And that's really my favorite soup is tomato soup. That's the way to my heart is tomato soup. Awesome. I will uh, second uh, the tomato soup being uh, very much comfort food. Uh, give me a uh, tomato soup and a uh, grilled cheese sandwich. Yep. And I, I just, I feel like a little boy and uh, it's like, it's like, it's like running home to mama. That's my new food truck idea. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see the, the, I, I was, I was all with the um, grilled cheese and tomato soup until I walked into this restaurant and had the crab, the crab melt with mm. tomato soup. And it was like, that's it. I'm done. This is the only way I'm ever going to have it again. So delicious. Fair enough. Uh, Jen, what about you? What uh, What's your favorite soup? Uh, my would be pho. Because for me, pho is my version of chicken noodle soup. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I'm uh, sick or don't feel good, it's my comfort food. Luckily, there's a place literally two minutes down the street for me that I get it from. Because I like the, you know, the broth and the noodles, but also 
being able to add all the sinus clearing spices and peppers to it. Good stuff. We just did pho yesterday. It's awesome. You can't go wrong with pho. Yeah. Yeah, there's a place down the road whenever Michelle and I are ill or not feeling well, we just get um, this, like, you know, vat of sweet and sour uh, soup. And, uh, yeah, clears it, it clears everything right up. The great thing about pho is, you know, you, a nice bowl of pho has to have at least its own tide pool, you know, with it or anything to be, make sure it's it's the right mixture. And like Jen says – you mix in the spices and the tastes. Everyone can make it what they want to, and that's what—that's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. That's very cool. Um, I, uh, I, I'm going to. Well, if Mike put the label out there that soup can be gumbo and it can be chowder, and uh, I'm going to even stretch it further, and I'm going to include chili there. Oh, and and I know Jen just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> but the reason that I'm gonna, the reason why I'm including it is because I'm like I'm gonna put myself over because uh, uh, I don't cook very often. In fact, uh, I used to cook a lot, but I don't really do that. I haven't really had time, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing, without fail, that I make every year, and it's always on uh, Christmas Eve, is I make a uh, Christmas uh, white Christmas chili. Which is a, uh, it's, see, people who are really into chili don't really consider this chili because it's not, uh, it's not your traditional kind of chili. It's made with, uh, uh, uh white beans, uh, northern white beans. It's made with, um, chicken stock. And so it's not really, I mean, it does have like some hot elements to it, peppers and, and, and stuff like that, but it's, and, but it's mainly chicken based. And, uh, but I put enough green and red peppers in there that it looks white and it looks, and it has like sprinkles of green and red in it. And it looks very Christmassy. And it's something that we have, Michelle and I have every year at Christmas. So, um, that's my, my favorite thing that I like to make. So, so I'm going to put myself over there and, uh, even though it, it technically doesn't uh, count, I'm just going to. I'm just gonna use the the uh, oh, the range that we have there, right? If we're going rebel, for chili, man. if you're going you're for rebel. chili, there was a place in <laughs> Seattle that we used to go to. It was called Mike's Chili. It was at the end of the Ballard Bridge, and it was this old brick building from the 1930s that was from Pro. There. Is it? I think it's still there. Oh yeah, it. You get a bowl of chili there; it stays with you for days. You know, and it literally has a layer of grease on top of it. It, but it's well, it's well known and it's known around the world. And people come to Seattle just to get Mike's chili. I'm not kidding about that, too. And it used to get a really cheap beer with it, and it was, it was heaven and everything. It's pretty, I have no doubt that if we got seriously to talk about chili, uh, that, uh, the look that Jen gave me um, <laughs> that we could probably do a whole show on that. Uh, so, so I will move on to uh, my selection. Um, I'm going to ask and uh, sort of talk about the best, the best uh, burger uh, you've ever had. Oh, um, so um, I'll go first. Uh, the best burger that I ever had. And I've had, believe me, and it, I know it's shocking to look at me, but I've had plenty of burgers. Really? <laughs> I'm shocked, yeah. Mike. I have had plenty of burgers. So that's in a lot of ways, it's a tough category for me because it's like, um, what's the, you know, I mean, I like just generally speaking, 
when I go into a place, if I go into a place that, cause there's burger places that are popping up all the time now, all these like burger fi. Yeah. The burgers, gourmet burger type thing. Yeah. All these things are popping up and you know, they want like, you know, $12 for a burger. Um, I once paid 25 in New York. Um, <laughs> that wasn't even the hamburger. Wow. And that wasn't, but that wasn't the best I ever had. Um, they were fine and they're good, you know, but if I want to, if, if I want to test a burger out, I will get it medium well, and I will get it just simply with um, uh, lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, and mayonnaise, and that's it. Like that's medium all I well. need. Medium um, well, wow. Medium well, yes, medium well. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to get mm. sick. And uh, um, and so, believe me, the many places I've been to, uh, when I ask for it, it's really just medium. <laughs> um. But uh, but if I if I when I th- was thinking about it, what's the best one I ever had that I still kind of crave that I, I wish I could have on more of a regular basis? Um, there's a place in Boston called the Poor House. That's P O U R Poor House. Um, it is right across the street from the. Uh, well, I think it's really neat. it's close to the Prudential Building. Uh, it's really close to the Convention Center there. It's downtown. Um, obviously it's, uh, a place where you go, um, for beer and beer type food. Um, but, uh, af- one, one day after the Boston comic-con, when it was being held there, uh, my friend Larry and I ended up there and, uh, I ordered their Hawaiian burger and this thing changed my life. Uh, and I have, uh, I've ordered Hawaiian burgers other places, but it's just never, captured this magic and it's really simple um it's a burger but it's served with grilled pineapple and drizzled in teriyaki sauce so tangy so amazing so good um that like i said i've been waiting i've been trying to find another place that uh that would serve uh, as good of a terry uh hawaiian burger as this so um so that's my pick uh jenna what's your what's your pick for best burger well, besides the burger I make for myself, which which um, counts, which counts. Is there anything in particular? Is there anything particularly that you do with your burger that makes it you know your own? Um, I always just I always just put some garlic salt on the beef. I keep it I keep it pretty simple. I use garlic salt on the beef. I only cook it medium rare because I think because for myself, you have to have that little bit of pink in the middle, and and it keeps it flavorful. Um. And that's what my mom used to do. That's what I do. And that, and that makes me happy. But um, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm really privileged to live in a foodie town and there are three burger places that I just love and I can't choose which one I like the best. So I can put them into three different categories. One in the, um, upper stratosphere, high priced sort of um, upscale burger category is a place called Lunchbox Laboratory. All of their burgers are, are, um, are uh, American Kobe beef. They're thick and juicy and um, they're always doing something different with their menu. So you never quite know what your choices are going to be. Um, but you know, you know, this is, this is really high end stuff, right? You were talking about a $15, $20 burger. That's the kind of thing you get at, at lunchbox lab. Um, the second category is, 
Um, well, I guess the other two places really would be sort of in the same category, which is your standard burger joint burger. Um, I am more partial to Rain City Burgers, which is in the Ravenna district. Um, again, Mike, this is right around the corner from Nick Fraser's house. Um, big, thick burgers that are that you can get all sorts of toppings with. They're mostly quarter pounders, and um, they listen to you when you tell them you want a medium rare burger. Juicy, savory. I like their. Um, you can get a blue cheeseburger there, that is just wonderful and melty and awesome. Um, and the other place, and it's almost like, it's almost like in Seattle, you get this push me, pull you. Are you a Rain City Burger person or are you a Red Mill Burger person? Uh, Red, Red Mill is one of my places. Yep. Yep. Um, Red Mill, also really great. Also a wide variety of burgers there. Um, and they actually were featured, I think on, uh, it's, um, Oh, one of the foodie TV shows. Um, if maybe no reservations, I'm not sure. Cool. But uh, yeah, so those are those are my those are my favorite burger places. Um, if I had to pick one of the three that I go to most regularly, it's probably Rain City, and that's always good. The place is somebody mentioned decor earlier. This place is like they had a storefront. Then they expanded into the next storefront over. They basically punched a hole in there, put in a door, and then it was two rooms. And then they punched another hole into the next storefront, and then it was three rooms because that's how popular it was. The place just keeps expanding. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Jen, what about you? What's, uh, what's the best burger you've ever eaten? Uh, so I don't have a favorite burger place because um, – <laughs> club I've worked at since 2008 is also a burger joint. So I'm exposed to them a lot. So I just have a favorite type. My favorite type is a messy burger that doesn't soak through the bun, um, but has mayonnaise uh, and a ton of avocado, cheese, and bacon. But guacamole, guacamole, not just avocado. Okay, but, gotcha. But I, prefer, I prefer guacamole, but if I don't have the choice, I'm going to take avocado. Um, so just messy and avocado. Sounds amazing. Uh, Mike, what about you? Oof. Like um, Jana had said, you know, there was a red place called Red Mill Burger, which I'm very happy to see is still around. And it was, it's, um, was amazing because it was my first really gourmet burger place I had ever gone to when I lived in Seattle. And that was some years ago. So we won't talk about, you know, that grunge was just starting then and everything. So, you know, but it was, it was just amazing. But, you know, for me, um, I'm for my type of burger. I like the late night dive type place. And there's a place here in Atlanta called the vortex. And, Oh yeah. They got good burgers. They are known for their burgers and it's, there's two locations. There's one up in Midtown, but the one I love going to is in 
uh, little five points because you go into a skull's mouth, basically. That's right. And it is just awesome. And you can get any kind of burger you want and everything. It's kind of sad because I'm pescatarian now, so I really don't get, you know, burgers all that often. And, you know, but it's awesome to, you know, go to a place and have all the different types, you know, but, you know, when you go to the Vortex, they have like, they have four level burger, what with fried eggs on it, with bacon, with guacamole, with, you know, pineapple. It's just like, you name it, they have. And, you know, there's also a place here in Roswell called Lucky's Burgers, and they have a burger there called The Undertaker. And literally, it'll stop your heart eating it's it. death on a bun is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Williams had it once, and I th- didn't know if he was going to survive it. So, <laughs> you know, and so it's it was pretty awesome. But, um, but yeah, so stuff like that. But then, you know, out in Seattle, there was this place called Dick's. And it's an institution. Oh. And oh. Dick's is like the typical – it's – what McDonald's used to be, you know, in the old days and everything. It's, you know, you, you spend two bucks and you for a hamburger and you just get a hamburger. You don't get to tell it what you want on it or anything. You just get a hamburger or a cheeseburger. Well, and see, that's open. White Castle. It's like an, it's like an answer to, to East Coast. Exactly. To it, it is. Exactly. That's the best way to put it. And White Castle is awesome. Except for White Castle, you can get in a box, you know, so which is, which is pretty awesome. So it's pretty cool, but each, every city has their own little burger dive type place. So it's pretty cool. That's my choice. Awesome choice. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope to sample those. And uh, now I want to go to the Vortex again, because yes, you're right. The Vortex is an amazing place. And uh, if they made a Hawaiian burger, I've tried their sort of uh, teriyaki burger there and it just wasn't the same for me, but everything else is top notch. Um, and, uh, used to be in Atlanta, there used to place, be a place where you could get a Luther burger. Uh, I've never had a Luther burger. Uh, one of those things that I wanted to try, but now I feel like I'm too old. And if I had one, it would kill me. So, um, but, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, that's on the bucket list at some point. Um, well, that's cool. That's actually, um, a lot of food that we've just discussed. Um, and, um, it looks like we're just about out of time really for this meal, but, before we get out of here, I'm going to spring one on you because this is something I know we kind of uh, had some honorable mentions and everything. So before we leave, I just want to really quickly, you know, in like, like you know, one minute, uh, everybody give uh, their best or uh, their favorite dessert so that we can end on a sweet, positive oh. note. Right. All right. So. Uh, so. All right. So we're going to end this on a sweet, positive note. I, you know, in order to give you time to think, because I'm springing this on you guys, I will go first. My my favorite dessert on the planet is uh, pumpkin cheesecake. Uh, I like cheesecake anyway, but when you add pumpkin to it, it just is on a whole nother level for me. So uh, I one of my favorite places to go, and I know it's kind of generic here, but it's the Cheesecake Factory here. They make a amazing pumpkin cheesecake. I've had homemade ones that are better. Yes, I've had some really good ones, but uh, the standby is uh, from the Cheesecake Factory. And yes, if I'm going to have a last meal, that's going to be the, how I end it. So, uh, Jenna, what about you? What uh, real quick is it your uh, like a, a, a dessert that uh, you would you would die for? My, well, oh, see, that's that's different, man. My favorite <laughs> dessert. 
My favorite dessert is chocolate peanut butter swirl ice cream. Um, But I think a dessert that I, that would be my last meal kind of dessert would be a chocolate chip cookie baked in a cast iron pan with a scoop of ice cream on it. Uh, Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. I'm I, my tastes are simple, but man, I I believe in them. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Jen, what about you? Tiramisu. Tiramisu. Is there anybody's tiramisu that do you uh, uh, favor? No, I'm usually <laughs> just, don't, I'm usually just don't mess it up, right? <laughs> yeah, don't mess it up because there's so many people who do. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Some people they don't I don't like it if they don't use real liquor. Uh, I don't like it when they don't use enough coffee. I oddly enough, I think Cheesecake Factory has one of the worst tiramisu. That's probably there. true. I can't, uh, I can't. I mean, I can't. I've never had theirs, but they're not the tiramisu factory. No, but why, why is it on the menu? Uh, but I like, I prefer to do like Ma and Pa Italian restaurants and get their tiramisu. Because so, yeah. it's typically going to be done right. Absolutely. Damn straight. Yes. yes. Yeah, we have an Italian place called Biba's that's right around the corner here. And their tiramisu. Isn't that your kitchen, awesome. Mike? <laughs> it, it feels like it, yes. Uh, Mike, what about you? What's your uh, dessert of choice? I'm fairly simple when it comes to... Uh, desserts. My favorite dessert ever is macaroons. Mm. And I love coconut macaroons. I love when they do different flavors. I love when they do chocolate on it and such. And it's just, it's just awesome. Especially if you get it from an Italian bakery. Okay. Now wait a second. Are you talking about macaroons or macarons? No. You did say coconut. I said coconut. (laughs) You said, okay, Mac- okay. I'm just macaroons. checking. I know people do that. I know. No, it's not those little things that look like burgers and everything. Okay. Yeah, I, I do know the difference. I do I do watch the great British baking show. I do know the difference. So, you know, I do have the fear of Paul Hollywood in my life. So it's okay. But yeah. Uh, but basically, um, macaroons, ever since I was a little kid, I've loved macaroons. I don't know if it's the Jewish tradition or whatever. And then when I went and discovered, you know, Italian uh, bakeries, especially in Baltimore, there's a place called, there's a place called uh, Viscaro's up in Baltimore in little Italy. And they had like macaroons the size of my fist. It was just amazing. These huge, huge things. And it was, it's just, it's just awesome. It's like heaven for me. Yeah. Those, those, the the good ones just melt in your mouth. So yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I just love being able to see that and get it and do it. We have a place here in Atlanta called the, called the Alpine bakery and they are the closest thing they have to an Italian bakery here. And they supply desserts and everything to all the different restaurants in the city, including like Marietta diner and uh, Metro diner down for dragon con and stuff. That's where the, I've actually been to eat there yeah. a few times. Yeah, Alpine bakery is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, all right. Well, now that's uh that 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 ended us on a sweet positive note. So I appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys 
for uh, joining us and and uh, and talking about food with us. This is the first time we've done this. Might be the last time, uh, you know. So I we will doubt see. It. <laughs> I will see. But uh, hopefully, all the listeners out there got some uh, got some got some good ideas for what to have for dinner tonight and uh, and where to go because uh, I think we all named a, a lot of places that uh, deserve uh, to to send us money for plugging them. I think. So um, (laughs) thank you guys. And we will be right back with the ESO Network. Some kind of citrus tree. Not Havana's or bananas or daiquiri. But that America creation of which I feel. Cheeseburger is paradise. Hey, everybody. Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. Genesis has announced, and since the announcement expanded, uh, a UK tour. Uh, The last domino, question mark, 2020 tour, will kick off November 16th in Belfast, take in Ireland, Scotland, and England. There has been no announcement uh, for dates in anywhere for anywhere else in the world that would probably hinge on Phil Collins' health and inclination. Uh, This is the 80s hits version of Genesis. Uh, Some people would call that classic Genesis. Uh, Peter Gabriel fans would beg to differ, but this is Phil Collins, uh, Mike Rutherford, and Tony Banks. Uh, Phil's son, Nick, will be filling in on drums. I think in the past they have gotten a second drummer, but uh, there are a couple of uh, backing musicians announced, but uh, no second drummer. Um, they are no doubt looking forward to playing the hits, but they've also said that having Nick along lets them play some earlier songs from Phil's early days with Genesis that they haven't played in a long time. So the set list should be very interesting. Uh, hopefully by November, hopefully life will be somewhat back to normal and, uh, we'll be able to go to shows again, um, but Gen- Genesis is definitely being optimists in this regard. So something to look forward to. And uh, hopefully uh, those of us outside the UK will get to see this as well. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. And we'll catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. For the week of March 12th, 2020, it's the ESO Network Con Report. Well, we just had a convention, or I was just at, uh, I believe it was my first convention of the year, uh, and that is a uh, local convention to Atlanta. It is uh, a tiki convention called Inuhele. Um, and it, uh, this is the second year for New Haley. It, uh, moved up, uh, to the, um, well, I should say moved down, moved downtown to the Sheridan, uh, that most of the Sheridan downtown, most people are familiar, uh, with that hotel. It's one of the host hotels for Dragon Con. 
And uh, there was a lot of drinking at uh, Inuhele as well, uh, like like Dragon Con. It's always weird for me to go to uh, uh, these these um, hotels throughout the year because to me they're so uh, attached and so so associated with Dragon Con. But uh, they have other conventions as well. Uh, and Inuhele went off very smoothly. Um, it was Friday, Saturday, and a little bit of Sunday as well. Um, uh, the vending area that's what they call the trading post uh peter and i had set up a table uh there's a lot of other vendors there as well um the crowd was great uh we uh we made some decent sales and for all those people who came by the uh the table and and, and bought something or even just said howdy uh i appreciate you guys a lot it was great to to see um you know even even with the uh people that are coming up to me asking me where issue four is I still, I still love to chat as well as uh, the people that I met for the first time. Um, it was, uh, it looks like the attendance was maybe even twice as much as it was uh, last year. So this is a show that's getting bigger and better. The Tiki community in Atlanta is so strong and so friendly and so welcoming uh, and so colorful. Uh, the event is not really a cosplay convention so much as it is, uh, you know, a lot of people are wearing uh, Aloha wear uh and uh just dressing up in in all kinds of fun ways so uh it's it's a great time i definitely encourage people i i don't know if there's a set date for next year yet but i do um uh, i do promote it as far as uh look if this was an event that i wasn't vending at i would i would just go because it's a great time uh if you're into rum drinks if you're into drinking drinking tiki that kind of thing uh, then it's amazing. There was some, uh, amazing rum sponsors, uh, handing out drinks all weekend long and they tasted very, very good. Uh, I had a couple samples and they're amazing. Uh, like the, the, the mixologists, the work that these mixologists do are, uh, incredible. It's an art form of itself. Also had a panel on, um, Saturday, which I hosted, uh, uh, interviewing, uh, some of the artists that were there, uh, Derek Yaniger uh, was there as well as uh, Jackie Van Spanks and Kim Bang. And uh, we, uh, we, were, we had an interview uh, with the three of them talking about their time as artists and uh, as tiki artists and uh, the challenges that they've, that they've come up with as well as some of the rewards that, uh, that uh, happen as, as an artist in, in this medium. And uh, it was a great conversation. One of the best panels I've actually ever done. It got really emotional at times. I thank everybody for coming out uh, to that panel because I know there was some other, uh, there was some other things going on, uh, including the big luau at Trader Vic's. People were getting ready for that. So uh, those people who took the time to stop by and uh, check in on the panel, uh, I really do appreciate. Um, it was a good time. What can I say? Uh, and Jonathan, Allison, the entire crew over there, Matt, everybody, uh, that do they just take care of you? Uh, they are uh, they're constantly there. They're approachable, and everything goes smooth. I've done enough of these conventions where uh, I can hear grumblings from the vendors sometimes, or hear grumblings from the attendees about this, that, and the other thing. And I didn't hear much grumbling at uh, this event, uh, nor did I did last year. So I think this event's just going to keep getting bigger and better. And uh, I'm 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 very honored to be part of it. 
and uh, I hope you guys will check it out. Uh, if it, uh, I'm sure it's going to return next year. So uh, stay tuned for more details. And you can go to uh, inuhele.com, uh, or I believe it's also under atlantatikitour.com. You can find out more information as the year goes on. They also have social media, too. So um, as far as upcoming conventions, uh, we've got a couple uh, coming up in March. March 20th through the 22nd is Toylanta. That, of course, is in, well, it's actually in Marietta, Georgia this year. They've moved to a different venue. Uh, Martin, our good friend Martin, who puts helps put it on, um, he told us all about it a couple weeks ago. So seek out that uh, episode uh, to listen to more details. But this is one of our favorite conventions to go to locally. Um, it's gotten bigger and better as well. They've outgrown their previous hotel, so they're moving to a new one in Marietta this year. Uh, Mike and I are going to be helping out with panels. We've got a panel that we're doing on Sunday, and we're going to be hosting or refereeing, if you want to, if you will, a toy fight. Uh, we're going to try to determine what was the best '80s action figure line, uh, uh, you know, of all time. So um, it, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun doing that Sunday afternoon. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of friends of the station that are going to be there. And, of course, uh, frequent contributors to the Earth Station One podcast, musicians Ricky and Bambi, will be there playing in their band Radio Cult, as well as their other band, Possum Kingdom Ramblers. So I look forward to seeing them and seeing y'all at Toyland. And that's, again, March 20th to 22nd. Then the last weekend of the month, March 28th to the 29th, is SC Comic-Con. Uh, once again, it's another one of Mike and I's favorite shows to go to. It is in Greenville, South Carolina. And again, it's another convention that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year. They're at the convention center, so um, but that keeps growing. Uh, their space there keeps growing every year. And the, look, the lineup of guests that they have, the uh, the attendees, the friendly attendees that, they, that always come to that show, it just makes it a pleasure. And uh, we're still waiting on uh, final details of what our panel schedule is going to be like for SC Comic-Con. So uh, keep uh, an eye out for that and we'll let you know. But um, And as far as we know, uh, these conventions are still happening. Obviously, with uh, the threat of the, the coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera, out there. Um, be careful, everybody, you know, um, if you're sick, you know, in whatever capacity, uh, stay home. And, uh, you know, if the, if something happens regarding these events, uh, we'll definitely let you know as soon as we can as far uh, so follow our Facebook group, follow our social media. I mean, if these events or if we have to cancel our appearance at these events for whatever reason, uh, we'll let you know as well. And uh, we just want to make sure that everybody out there is, uh, you know, having fun and going to these gatherings, but also being very safe and, and staying healthy. So, um, but if you've got a convention that you want to help us to help promote, or you need to uh, let us know that, uh, you know, might need to be postponed or, or, or for whatever reason, something is occurring with that, uh, you want us to get the information out for you, just please let us know. Because even in this case, we, we love talking about it. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing, good enough to eat. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about some new video games that I am super excited for that are coming out soon. So lots of new games are coming out for PC and console systems, and here are a few that I'm really excited for. Animal Crossing New Horizons is the new Animal Crossing game for the Nintendo Switch. In this game, you get to be the mayor of your own island. 
You help the different characters that visit your island do different tasks and give them presents to help you become better friends with them. You try to make the island a place that they would want to stay and create a cool little area for. I love the Animal Crossing games. They are so relaxing and soothing to me, and their soundtrack really adds to that effect as well. And they're just overall fun for me. Another game that I'm really excited for is more the new content of the game that already exists. Dead by Daylight has a new chapter. This chapter adds a gunslinger as a killer, a new survivor, and a new western town map. I really love all the new items that are being added to the game and am so excited to play as the new survivor since I don't really play killer and play on this new map. The western look and feel of the new content is incredibly cool and really creepy and I'm so excited for it. There are a few other games that will be coming out too, Doom Eternal, Resident Evil 3 Remake, and Pokemon Sword and Shield expansions with lots and lots of other games too, but those are the ones that... I've really been looking at and I'm really excited for. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. And God, thank goodness, I am just stuffed. I don't know if I can eat another bite after what we talked about tonight. Whew. Mikey, thank you so much for this topic. It was awesome. I think I need to take a belt size out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our next episode will be on um, uh, um, sort of weight, wa- weight Watchers and uh, where Weight Watchers and uh, and uh, stomach relief. Exactly. I heard Jenny Craig is also looking to sponsor us for our next episode. <laughs> oh God. So I think, you know, that would be a great experiment to see what would happen. But thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, It's always awesome. And let's thank Jenna for being here tonight. This was so much fun. I am always excited to talk to you guys. And uh, talking about food? Yeah. I know. I I, I wrote wrote you about it, I think, within 30 seconds. You're like, yes! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) It was awesome. So, yeah, <laughs> I am so glad you were able to join us tonight. Um, is there anything you want to shout out about or anything you, you want to rave about or anything real quick? Oh, my gosh. I just saw the new Emma, the new film Emma, which was I know it? is not super geekitude, but I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I really liked the, I, I liked the humor that it was pricked with. I mean, Jane Austen is always funny, is always entertaining commentary is always very sharp but this is just the the director did things with this that i haven't seen done with jane austen before and it was just great i feel like it was a jane austen for our time that Um, is awesome i've heard good things about it judy wants to go see it she's downstairs right now watching anna green gables so it's okay well you can tell her from me that it was terrific and it would be an evening well spent excellent 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 Cool, because I'll probably be going and, you know, trying to do something else because I'm not a Jane Austen fan. Thank you. Can I pitch pitch one more thing? Of course. That'd be okay. So um, in January, Cobalt Press, the game company that I do editing for, we just published the second edition of the Complete Cobalt Guide to Game Design. 
So if you're an RPG gamer, if you play role-playing games, if you design your own adventures, this is a book for you sh- that you should look for. Excellent. We'll have a link to it up on our show notes. So we oh, definitely fabulous. will be able to, you know, so people will be able to get to see that. Thank you. Thank Cobalt you as always. You're one of the many people I miss out west. So it's yeah. really cool to talk to you. Thank you, honey. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Well, and as a shout out, it's more of a tribute as well. Uh, we found out uh, this morning, actually, that we just lost one of the legendary actors uh, of the world, uh, of our generation, multiple generations, actually, which is uh, Max, oh, yeah. von, Max von Sydow. Um, the guy, you know, was well into his 90s. Uh, he's been making movies for 70 years, I think. Um, and you know what? We just, I don't even have time to list all the movies that, uh, that he's done or that he's made an impact on or that I've seen of his where he did, he gave a great performance, uh, because there are just so, so many, but whenever he appeared on screen, uh, I, I was invested, um, you know, whether it was a, uh, you know, a, uh, Ingrid Bergman, like really intense, like, you know, foreign art film, whether it was a horror film, uh, like the exorcist, he had that, that voice, uh, that, um, you know, uh, needless things, uh, Stephen King or needful things, right. Uh, Stephen King, um, he had that, that voice that could, that was just made for horror, um, action movies, uh, comedies, uh, most recently, he was seen in the Game of Thrones as well as the uh, the Force Awakens. So he was not afraid to do whatever uh, the project was. He was just not afraid of as an actor, uh, and he always gave it his all. And uh, we'll miss him because uh, you know um, he was unique. You know, if you needed somebody in that role, that was the guy. And I can't think of too many other actors that. Uh, you know, you could just fill in. Well, we can't get Max. Who are we going to get? I don't know. <laughs> Good luck. Um, Pretty much. So, so yeah, he was, uh, he was one of the best. Oh, he was an amazing actor. From seeing him the first time in The Exorcist to him playing the big bad in Strange Brew. It's so amazing when, he's you know? in, when you see him in The Exorcist, he plays this old priest and you think he's an old guy. But he was not like he was, you know, it wasn't until much later that I was like, wow, uh, you know, he's not nearly as old as he was uh, that depicted there. But he really convincingly fooled me that he was like this old priest. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. He, you know, I think then he was only in his 40s at the time. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's amazing to think about. Yeah. And he does that in 73. And then he goes on like almost, almost a decade later, you know, short of a decade to do Flash Gordon, which he's known for, of course, as playing the best Ming ever, you know? Um, And, uh, and yet he looks like, you know, a hundred years younger as Ming. Well, of course, the joy of makeup. I think the last (laughs) thing I remember seeing him in was the uh, Force Unleashed, the Star Wars movie. Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yes. Well, you, I know you saw him in Game of Thrones after that. That's the Three-Eyed Raven. So, Oh, that's true. Um, it was almost the same time, I think, right about the same time. And when Game of Thrones was, was a year later. But, yeah, they were filmed around the same time. You're right. So, I mean, yeah. So, so, yeah. What's, so, what's a year when you're 90? Exactly. <laughs> year schmear. What the hell? You know? 
but yeah, he was, he was an amazing actor and he, he won't be replaced. And it's just like, it's just sad. I felt like a lot of the same way about a lot of the classics and it's becoming this year. It seems like we're losing a lot of them and it's just over and over the same story again, which is kind of sucky. So sorry to hear that. And RIP my friend and you will be missed. All right. Uh, my shout out real quick. I'm going to do a quick shout out to the return of clone wars. I know it's nothing as deep as, you know, talking about Speaking of star Wars. Exactly. Um, clone wars is back on Disney plus and all new episodes. And they've been fantastic. If you get a chance, if you're a star Wars fan, and the last Star Wars movie didn't put a bad taste in your mouth. Go ahead. It's awesome. Clone Wars uh, picks up literally right from where they left off. And it is awesome. Um, a lot of the same voice actors from before. Some changes of people they couldn't get. But it was it's just been great. And I love the storyline they did for the first three episodes story arc. So it's pretty cool. So definitely check it out. Um, thank you guys as always for listening you know we definitely would love to hear from you food how bad can you be you know it's always something we love talking about you know and please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com we'd love to talk about it and we'd love to hear from you guys talking about it speaking of that you know just a reminder we have a brand new website earthstation1.com and we are up there and you can go back now over 50 episodes of earth station one is available and more is becoming available daily as quick as my little fingers could type. We can, you know, to code, I can put episodes up there. So we'll eventually go back all the way to episode one. So that's a long way off, but we will get there. I promise. So you are going to have a thorough library. Um, we also now have up on the website, a you know listing of all the future shows we have going all the way up to september of 2020 so if you see an episode you want to join us for like how jenna and uh jen joined us earlier you can actually you know write me and say hey mike can i be on this episode i'd love to talk about blah 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 it would be great to do it and there's a lot of stuff there to talk about so you could find all that and if you ever want to be in the geek seat like jen was earlier I posted the Geeksy questions up there. So you can write us and say, hey, I want to be in the Geek Seat. There's a link right on that page. All you have to do is go to earthstation1.com. Doesn't get much easier than that. Speaking of easier, we're going to be back again next week. We are going to be looking at the state of DC Comics. There's a lot of stuff going on there. And it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And it should be interesting to see what our panelists have to talk about. And speaking of panelists, we will see you here next time because you are an unofficial panelist too when you join us on Earth Station One. We'll see you next time. Peace. And we're done. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. 
Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.